you are a gardener or pay attention to gardens, you've noticed that we're entering boom time. Everywhere one looks, things are climbing and stretching and creeping and bursting forth, blooming and making fruit. The combination of warm, sunny days and uh, frequent downpours makes it perfect to create what almost looks like ground-level fireworks. It's a season of growth, to be sure. For the church, it's also a season of growth, or beginning to be, anyway. We're in ordinary time, uh, so-called because the Sundays are named in ordinal numbers, not because it's mundane. But we are in this time after the big celebrations of Easter and Pentecost and Trinity Sunday, And so we're in this stretch of a season where the church dresses itself in green. And the scriptures invite us to think and pray about what it means to grow. What it means for us to grow as Christians. What it means for us to grow into the kingdom of God, the realm of God. The scriptures all hint to this growth today. Growth runs through the scriptures like a vine of squash or kudzu. It's everywhere. In Ezekiel, our first reading, God plants a tree. That reading took on particular authority as our Garden Guild coordinator read it with that authority that only a gardener who knows about trees can do. But God puts a tree as a symbol in the midst of where the people are so that people will have a a tangible, visible thing to see and remember that no matter what comes or goes, God cares for all that God has made. God will tend and water and nurture and continue to protect no matter what. The psalm also reminds us that those who are planted in the house of God In other words, those of us who who make God our master gardener will flourish and bear fruit and live fresh new lives, even if we live well into old age. And then in the epistle, St. Paul tells the Corinthians about spiritual growth and reminds them and us that like a plant that dies so that seed can create new life, Christ died giving us seeds for eternal life. The gospel we've just heard comes in the form of a parable or several parables, really. Uh, Many of you will recall that a parable is is a way of telling a story that Jesus used a lot. Um, With a parable, uh, part of its great uh, beauty is that, uh, that the meaning shifts around depending on who we are and what stage of life we might be at. Um, A classic example is with Henry Nouwen in his little book, um, The Return of the Prodigal, where he talks about his own experience with that famous story of the prodigal son. And Nouwen talks about how when he was young, he um, identified with the younger son, the one who goes out into the world and gets into all sorts of trouble, but then is welcomed home again. But as he aged, Nouwen began to identify more with the elder brother, the one who stayed home and did what he was supposed to do and then was pretty resentful when the younger brother went out and had fun and came home and was welcomed. But then now and near the end of the book writes that in later years he came to see that he was called to be like the father, 
the Father who lives every day with outstretched arms, ready and willing to welcome and extend the love of God to all. That little book is a lovely example of how we can change through life and hear the same story again and again, but it has different meanings for us. And so as we listen to these several parables in today's gospel, I wonder where you find yourself. Do you identify with any part of it or any character in it? Perhaps you identify with the sower, the gardener, the one who plants the seeds and then steps back and hopes for the best. Whether seeds or seedlings, the intention is that they'll grow. With you, it might be an idea or a practice or a project that you're just beginning. And so it's a little like throwing a seed out. You hope it will take. You do a little to get it started, but then it's out of your hands. It may be taken out of your hands sometimes as other things grow to overshadow. Or maybe there's the equivalent of a storm. Or maybe the birds just come down and take the seed away altogether. But if you're a sower of any kind, you make that initial investment. You do what you can, but then over time you have to manage your relationship with the seed that you've planted. How much will you try to control? How much will you let God take care of? How much is required of you to tend and to nurture and to care? Perhaps you identify more with the seed itself or with the seedling. Maybe you feel like you've been placed by God in a certain place. It might be fertile ground or it could be rocky, difficult stuff. Maybe you're trying your best to put down your roots and yet over and over again something comes to move you along and keep you scattered. Maybe you're trying to find a foothold in work or in home or in a relationship. Maybe you're trying to find something in your life that will stay around long enough to help you to enjoy the sun, to absorb the rain, to to find the energy and life within yourself to grow and to expand and to become. You might feel as tiny and insignificant as those mustard seeds. Or maybe you carry the idea of a mustard seed in your head and you you can imagine what the tree might look like one day. But how in the world will you ever get there? How will it happen? The sower and the seed are, of course, major characters in our gospel today. But just recently, I've noticed the birds as well. The birds are there, the birds that take their shade in the mustard tree. Someone else has done the planting. Someone else has done most of the work, the heavy lifting, the growing. It's all happened. And so the birds can enjoy what's been done. They can safely make a nest. They can take advantage of the shade and enjoy the view. But one day the birds, too, might be called upon to add just the right component to God's unfolding kingdom. Jesus tells these parables and others to convey what he calls again and again the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is is not like the magic kingdom at Disney World. It's not like a, a kingdom in a country we might imagine It's not so much a literal place as it is potentially every place. 
the kingdom of God is wherever and whenever God's intention is allowed to take root and grow. The kingdom is full of mystery. It grows at its own rate. Some parts of it can be planned and laid out and organized, but other entire areas of the kingdom of God are up to God's own good grace and timing. We have to let go. To me, among the many things that our gospel today is calling us to, it seems in this beginning of a summer to call us to enter the kingdom of God first by noticing, by noticing what's going on, what's growing, where are the seeds within and without, what's God up to. We're called to be a witness, I think, to to notice what's going on That's harder than it might first appear. If you think about the witnesses we might see on the news or read about in the newspaper, so often the witness comes forth with a story of something they have seen. And yet after a few days, a video surfaces or other people come. And actually what happened looked very different to them. In order to be a witness, we have to compare what we think we're seeing with other people. That's the gift and the beauty of the church. That's what the Episcopal Church will be doing in a couple of weeks in Salt Lake City as um, the church meets for its triennial, a a general convention. Um, Delegates, lay people from every diocese and bishops from all over the church will get together to compare views. They'll say in a variety of ways to each other, here's what God's been pointing out to me. What are you seeing? And together they'll elect a new presiding bishop for another eight years and they'll they'll set a course for our denomination into the future. The parables of the sower and the seed about growth and goodness remind us that God is working in our world today. All around us, within us, in little things and in large things, It's for us to take note, to observe, to see, and then participate as the Spirit urges. We all know that at certain times it's obvious to see God's presence. It's obvious to see things growing in the the light and the love of God. With faith, though, we can see even in the hidden places. We can see even in the dark with faith. We might look and what initially looks like pain and misery. With faith, we can begin to see seeds of helpfulness. We, we look out and all we see is disease and violence and poverty. We see a distorted version of the world that God has created. But with eyes wide open and eyes of faith, we can begin to see seeds for something else, seeds for compassion, Seeds for sharing, seeds for sacrifice, seeds for healing. I had a wonderful example of this land in my email box yesterday morning. Our friend, the Reverend Sharon Dinney, who's at Kwasa, just outside Johannesburg in South Africa, emailed um, probably everyone she knows, asking us to pray for a young man named Johannes. Johannes is a teacher in the Kwasa school and he has bacterial meningitis. With a family that doesn't understand how grave that is, they've taken him out of the hospital and took him home. Who knows how many children, how many other workers, how many teachers 
how many people along the way in this village outside of Springs, which is outside of Johannesburg. No one knows, and so people are afraid, and people are worried, people are scared, and things look dangerous. And so Sharon emailed and asked for prayers, and we all emailed back prayers from Washington and North Carolina and Ireland and California and all over where people know and love the community and the people at Kwasa. It doesn't solve things immediately, but it immediately helped them know they're not alone. Those prayers are seeds, just little tiny seeds, but seeds of hope, seeds of compassion, maybe in God's mystery, seeds of healing in some way. Paul's letter to the Corinthian talks about walking by this faithful way of seeing deeply and not being fooled by appearances. When Christ died on the cross, to all appearances, it looked like the dream of God had died. It looked like a complete failure. But for those with eyes to see, Christ has risen. For those of us with eyes to see, to notice, to witness, our faith leads us further and further, as though we were moving through a fog. But with more faith, we see more clearly and we move into the light. Thinking about the scriptures today, I I think of a woman named Kathy that I met about 10 years ago. A handful of us went on a mission trip in Honduras, and Kathy was then 70 years old, and she had said to everyone, she didn't know quite how much use she would be in our project of helping to build new church pews and helping to build a house or two, but she could certainly help in the kitchen, and she could look after the children if nothing else. And so Kathy joined us. And it was a sort of mission trip like some of you have been on where a lot of us got busy helping people build church pews and and helping with the foundation of a house. And we quickly realized we really weren't all that necessary. The good folks there were being gracious at allowing us to feel busy. But we were at least able to make friendships and to establish a relationship that has kept on. Meanwhile, Kathy was in the kitchen. Kathy, who spoke not a word of Spanish, and the other ladies in the kitchen who spoke not a word of English, but they communicated through food, through helpfulness, through service. Kathy noticed those women. She saw them, and she noticed what they were really good at and what brought them joy, cooking, cooking and providing for other people. Kathy also noticed they were using one conventional kitchen stove to cook for 70, 80, 100 people. And so Kathy began to ask people who spoke English to translate for her. And she asked these ladies, um, if you had a larger oven, Kathy was imagining like that mustard seed that grows into something else. She was imagining a commercial oven. And she asked the ladies, if you had a real oven, what would you do? The ladies didn't miss a beat. They said, oh, we'd cook for the children who go to school. We would uh, bake extra things. We could package them. We would take them to the market. We could generate some income. We've heard about micro-businesses. Maybe we could have one. Off they went. You can probably imagine the rest of the story. Kathy got back up to New York. She began to tell that story about what she had seen. Money was raised, an oven was bought, and those ladies were soon in business. All because of what one person saw with faith. 
Those who see with faith will see all kinds of possibilities, all kinds of vision. And we're promised that even as we age, our vision grows sharper still. It's as Paul says, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation, new again and again. Everything old has passed away and the new has come. Friends, the kingdom of God grows around us and grows within us. It is our gift, but it is also our gift to notice, to witness, to enjoy and share the bounty. May we live with gratitude for the kingdom of God as we find our place in it. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.